Okay, so you're here for some great church leadership content. The podcast is great, but there's also another piece of content you need to be enjoying each week. It is the Leading Saints email newsletter. Now I get it, email newsletters feel so 2006, you know? But it isn't as old fashioned as you might think. It's actually one of the most popular pieces of content that Leading Saints produces. Each week I share a unique leadership thought that can only be found in the newsletter. I keep it short and sweet. Most can read it in less than five minutes. And then we share with you recent content you might have missed, throwback episodes, and Leading Saints events that happen more often than you might anticipate. If you want to make sure you are on the email list, simply visit leadingsaints.org 14. That's leadingsaints.org 14. That will also get you 14 days access to our full library of content not available to the general public. So look for Leading Saints in your inbox by going to leadingsaints.org 14 or click the link in the show notes. So my name is Kurt Frankum, and I am the founder and executive director of Leading Saints and obviously the host of the Leading Saints podcast. Now, I started Leading Saints back in 2010. It was just a hobby blog, and it grew from there. By the time uh, 2014 came around, we started the podcast, and that's really when it got some uh, traction and took off. Uh, 2016, we became a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we've been growing ever since. And now I get the opportunity of an of interviewing and talking with remarkable people all over the world. Now, this is a segment we do on the Leading Saints podcast called How I Lead. And we reach out to everyday leaders. They're not experts, gurus, authors, PhDs. They're just everyday leaders who've been asked to serve in a specific leadership calling. And we simply ask them, how is it that you lead? And they go through some remarkable principles that should be in a book, that should be behind a PhD. They're, uh, they're usually that good. And uh, we just talk about uh, sharing what the other guy's doing. And I remember being a leader, just simply wanting to know, okay, I know what I'm trying to do, but what's the other guy doing? What's working for him? And so that's why every Wednesday or so, we publish these How I Lead segments to share. I'm here today with Lauli Famasili, Bishop Lauli Famasili, right? Yep, correct. <laughs> nice. Now, I, I assume you have a Polynesian background, is that? Yes, yes, Kurt. It is Samoan. Yes, I am Samoan. Nice. And then were you uh, born there or? Yeah, I was I was born on the islands and in Samoa, and our family moved uh, over to the mainland when I was about six or seven. So I nice. don't remember too much, but I was born as basically raised on the mainland. Southern California is where I'm from. Oh, awesome. And um, do you, have you been back? I have not. I have not. I have, oh. My siblings and uh, my parents have been back, uh, but I have not yet. Nice. And where do you live currently? I live in Washington State. So in the southeastern part of Washington State. It's a beautiful part, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And then how long have you been serving as a bishop? I have been serving as bishop a little over five years. 
Awesome. So you're about there. I mean, what's the word? Are you hearing anything? I believe so. I believe so. We're close. Yeah, we're close. (laughs) That's awesome. And uh, what do you do for work? I work in agriculture and specifically in insurance. So yeah, federal crop insurance is what it's called. Yeah. Yeah. I I know from my father-in-law that sometimes there's a frost or weather turns upside down and it's nice to have those insurance policies in place that, so that they don't literally lose the farm, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Now, uh, is there anything, a unique story about uh, when you were called as bishop? You know, not really, Kurt. I mean, I'm trying to remember back. Other than, as we spoke before, a lot of resources uh, were available, or at least I was looking at um, trying to focus on some resources available to me in regards to the calling. And so, and one of those resources was your, was your podcast. And oh, cool. so, and then uh, of course, some, some counsel and some advice from other, uh, from other former bishops and current bishops. And so that was very helpful for me. Nice. And so, but yeah, nice. nothing really, nothing really significant. Uh, okay. So you're just called in and extended the call and, and you've been doing it for a few years now. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And how would you describe just sort of the demographics or the how your how the geographics of your ward, anything that just to put your ward into context? Sure, sure. And, and you had mentioned agriculture. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Tri Cities, is what it's called. So there's three cities here in southeastern Washington called Tri Cities, and the three cities are Pasco, Richland, and Kennewick. Hmm. And I live in Kennewick, and there are actually when we look at the numbers. There's about 10% uh, that are members of the church here in the area. And so for, I mean, it's approximately 300,000 people. And so hmm. about 10% of those are members of the church. So there's a good amount of membership here. Of course, we have a temple here close by as well, Columbia River Temple. And so, and so yeah, for as far as demographics, for our ward in particular, or just the area, yeah, I'm just sort of so we understand what type of ward that you're leading. Yeah, yeah. So we have, uh, so it's a young ward. Uh, we have some older folks too, um, but it's primarily a young ward. Most of our, you know, we have a good, good size primary, good size youth program. Well, I'll just, uh, we have about 85 youth total. And so, oh, that's great. It's good, yeah, it's good size youth, good size primary. And then we have a lot of good, um, a lot of good older folks too that help us and balance us out there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, cool. What do you remember from the the early years of of being a bishop? Like just sort of wandering into this this calling. I mean, were there some certain things you tried, or a sort of a, a vision you had early on, or what do you remember? Sure, sure. You know, it was kind of funny, uh, Kurt. I, I hesitate to share this experience. However, um, I was talking to my daughter and. She had asked me, so what do you think when you were first called, when I was first called? She said, what do you think? I go, I was born for this. And it was kind of an off the cuff comment. Uh-huh. At the same time, I was, I was pretty sure of myself in that regard. Not, not arrogant, but just confident that yeah. the Lord had confidence in me and I had confidence in my skills and talents and abilities and I was ready for it. And so it's kind of funny. So she goes over to a friend's house and they're, and they're talking and everything. And her dad had asked Kiana, Kiana's my daughter. Um, 
how I was doing and whatnot. He says, oh, yeah, he said he was born for it. I was like, oh. And he, he kind of got, so they're, they're friends of ours, and it kind of uh -huh. got uh, to them as well. And I was like, well, that's all right. That's all right. We'll take it. And so, yeah. So, yeah, no, I, for Kurt, for me, I, I, I felt I was ready at the time and uh, I was well prepared. Um, of course, with all our experiences throughout church. So, I was born and raised in the church. My mom was a convert. And so, and so um, that was helpful in that regard. But yeah, yeah. But having been raised in, in the church, uh, I had many opportunities to serve in leadership callings that really have helped me prepare, prepared me for, I believe, uh, this, this current calling that I'm in as a bishop. So, yeah, you know, I, I really appreciate that, that feeling that sort of that confidence, you know, I think it's almost like the cultural norm. We have to pretend like we're not confident about it or that, you know, or these, these weak servants that, you know, and, and yeah, sometimes you get callings that's, that's above your head and you think, I don't know how I'm going to do this without the Lord's help. And, but I, I also kind of want to, you know, whenever there's a cliche in a culture, it's sort of, let's look at that. Maybe there's something wrong with that because I think that can hurt us in the long run when we feel like, oh, you know, I don't, I can't live up to this or I'm, I'm smaller than this. And then we, I don't know, I feel like that puts us on the wrong track, but to, you know, feel like, you know, I'm, I think I'm ready for this. I could do this. And, and again, not in a place of pride. It's just like, you know, the Lord's given me some experience that I think I have something to offer to the ward. And it's okay to say that and walk in there with confidence, knowing that, you know, you're still going to rely on the Lord. You're yeah, still going to pray and, and do those things, but it's okay to say, all right, let's jump in. Let's do this. Cause that confidence is, is contagious. I agree. Wholeheartedly. Yeah. Awesome. So any, anything else as far as uh, just over the last five years, any specific event or uh, that's been, you know, this maybe uh, shook that confidence a little bit or anything come to mind like that? You know, the interesting thing for me, Kurt, just throughout these years, it, it seems like whether it's my experience or uh, my thought process or, or, or walking with the Savior and walking with these, these, this ward, these individuals and these families, it, it just continues to evolve. Uh, and so my experience continues to evolve. Our goals and plans and whatnot, mm -hmm. whatnot continue to evolve. And so there's nothing. And so it's mostly when I think about the gospel, I think about the restoration. And I, in a sense, I am being restored mm -hmm. in these facets, in these areas, during these times, uh, during these experiences. And so it's just a continuous evolution for me. It, it, in at least in my thought process, and so yeah, and there are many experiences that have led that have that have helped me and led me um, throughout this throughout the call. So does that make sense? Yeah. So I mean, you found it very uh, personally restoring. Yeah, yeah, and so and so there was nothing really. I mean, yeah, I guess it, it comes with that 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 confidence and that fortitude. Primarily with the Savior, though you're exactly right. I mean, all we can't do this thing without without Jesus, without the Savior, and so I just I just felt that uh, that I continue to evolve and be restored, similar to the church in that way. And so when 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 things do arise and when things happened, um, as far as issues or what have you. Um, 
I wasn't really shaken, I guess. I mean, we were prepared, I guess is what I'm trying to say. We were organized. Yeah. We were prepared. We had planned for it. Uh, obviously, with the Lord. The Lord had planned and prepared us for these occasions and experiences. Yeah. Awesome. Well, and as we do with these How I Lead interviews, you sent me a few uh, principles to consider that uh, will lead us through an outline here. And uh, let's jump into those. Maybe some uh, concepts or stories will come out of this that you can share. So the first one is Jesus's love. Yeah. How do you use that in your leadership? Yeah. I mean, I, I first felt it uh, when when I was called that Sunday, sustained and everything. And then they had asked, you know, like they normally do. Um, stake leadership to have come up and, and share your testimony. And, and once I, that, that Sunday when I shared my testimony, just in, and I, I wasn't set apart, obviously at this point in time, however, just mm -hmm. an overwhelming feeling of love just showered. I mean, it was poured out upon me as I looked, as I looked at the, uh, as I looked at the congregation not knowing very many of them. I mean, we, it was a new bound. It was a new, not a new ward. I mean, we'd been there for about five years. And so we're getting to know a lot of the folks there and everything. However, um, just an overwhelming feeling of love. And I, it, it, to this day, Kurt, I, I still don't quite understand that love. I mean, the, the, the depth and breadth that, uh, that Neil A. Maxwell talks about. Uh, it's, it's continuous, it's continuous for me. So it continues to evolve in different ways. And so, so that was initially that it happened right away, even before I was set apart. And so, and I felt it, I felt it. And that has continued throughout my leadership. Like every Sunday is, is I, I feel a lot of love every Sunday. <laughs> and so, and leading up to it, not, not that I don't feel love during the week or whatever, but that yeah. Sunday for me is just that uh, it's just a recharging, restoring, reviewing. Um, and when I go to church on Sunday in the in the morning meetings and whatnot, or in the meetings and everything else, I mean that whole day is just I'm you're like in a cloud. At least that's how my my thoughts are. How, I'm just in a cloud of of love, for lack of a better word, of mm -hmm. love, and and that continues with me throughout the week as well. And so, and some of those impressions, some of those experience come uh, just recently here, we've had a, uh, a good friend of mine just passed away and a lot of similarities uh, with my life and his in regards to our experiences, where we come from. He came from South Africa. I came from Samoa. Um, his mother was, uh, you know, a single mother for a short time. Mine was as well. And so, uh, anyway, just similar experiences in the gospel as well. And so, um, and so I, anyway, my thoughts continued to turn to him uh, prior to him passing. And so we saw each other often. And I think that that love that emanates from the Savior to us uh, emanates from those experiences that we have whether we're thinking about somebody or somebody comes to our minds or, you know, we're, we're, we're called to action for some type of purpose and some type of experience. And so, or, or we're just visiting with somebody. And so that's, that's kind of yeah. what I, and, and so what I try to do is, is try to allow that to resonate with the members of the war too and others by showing mm -hmm. 
by accepting, by receiving, and then also giving um, as a savior mm-hmm. guru. And so, yeah. So it's one thing to feel the love, but it's, uh, it's you got to take the next step of making sure you uh, project that love on others, right? Yeah. <laughs> that that yeah. you're leading. And then yeah. it turns into action, right? Uh huh. So, yeah. As far as applying that, like even like on a busy Sunday, right? You got a lot to do. Maybe there's meetings. You got to, you know, this teacher didn't show up. So the bishop was scrambling there, or, you know, because it could be very, there's this gravity towards administration, right? Yeah. And love is all, often in the context of, of ministering. Yeah. Um, so how, I mean, how is that manifested just on Sunday or does, I mean, what comes to mind when thinking sure. about that context? No, that's a great question. I think for me, it's, um, let me, if I could just say it this way, there are percentages, right? And so for me on the administrative side, uh, I give it about 20% and the rest of it's 80. So the rest of it's love. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so that 20%, yes, it's significant. It's important that we focus on it. However, the love is just overwhelming. And so, and so I don't know if that makes sense, Kurt. Yeah. There. Yeah. You're often just sort of in this cadence of, of love the majority of the time, but then every once in a while, an administrative yeah. task or fire <laughs> pops up and yeah. you have to ship there and go to that place real quick, but always coming back to that you know, I'm, I'm with my people, I'm connecting with others. I'm, you know, yeah, I'm not really, hiding in an office just to get administration done. Right. No, it really is that way. It's almost, it's almost like you, I mean, it's there, but you don't, and you give it the attention that it's due, but it's not a, it's not a focus. It's not a main focus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. And so awesome. And and maybe I, I maybe I deflect it onto the to my counselors and whatnot, and they can handle it in that way. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I often uh, when I was a bishop, I'd often ex- explain this principle of I want to be Bishop Smiley, um, and sort of communicating my counselors like I don't want to be the one if that teacher doesn't show up, or you know, this or this this or that pops up, administrative need, or like I want you guys to focus on that. I want to be the bishop who. It's just suddenly has time to sit down with that widow and have a 10 minute conversation yeah. or, you know, is, is taking an extra minute with this or that person or, or goes to Sunday school and, and can make the comments, right? Like I want to yeah. be that leader who is sort of a figurehead of like, oh, there's the bishop, like Bishop Smiley there. He, right. he's present, he's loving. Um, I'm not always curious where he's at. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. I feel that. Cool. Definitely. Next principle is uh grace. I mean, can't have too much of this. So yeah. how does that show up in your leadership? Oh man, grace. I, and that's, grace has been something that I've continued to learn um, even today and will continue. I mean, I think for me, grace is all encompassing. There was an experience here with a, a really good friend of mine. And, you know, I, I just had a heart to heart with him. And this is a really good friend. He, uh, you know, I baptized him. He was, he, converted to the savior and was baptized into the church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. And so we've been together for quite some time. Uh, there's been experiences where I've gone out with him to, to, to get his son who, uh, you know, had some addictive behavior and was just in a bad place. And so we drove, um, to another city. It was probably about three hours away during, it was Christmas Eve, Kurt. And, and my wife, heaven bless her, her, I mean, huge heart. She was just like, go, he needs help. And, and so just go. And so we went and picked up his son. Anyway, 
uh, he's very close to me. And so I, I just had to have a heart to heart with him here a few years back and, and said, listen, I'm not going to be there for you. I can't all the time. Right. I mean, I want to, I want to, but I'm going to let you down and, and I don't want to let you down, but I am going to let you down at times. And I, I may not be there for you during those times. And so in those times, if you would just extend that grace to me, allow, allow that grace for me to have. And likewise, I will allow that grace for you as well. I will give mm. you that grace as well. And so that just, uh, from then on, I, grace has just brought a whole new meaning, uh, to just to, to my ministry and to me personally. And so just to allow others grace and to really hone in on the savior. And you know what, Kurt, I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, there's books about it. You can study about it and everything else. I just, for me, it's just all encompassing and it, and it focuses on the savior. And yeah. you can name your child grace and focus on that <laughs> as well. Like faith and hope, right? I mean, those principles of the gospel uh, or those things that turn us and connect us to the savior. Right. And so, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love that concept in in the context of a a leadership relationship. You're like inviting grace into that relationship, and you're you're naming it, you're you're modeling it, you're asking for it. Where yeah. um, I, I remember one instance as a bishop where I was talking with a, a gay individual in my office, and I just basically said, "Hey, I'm going to say some things. I don't. I, there's probably more I, I need to learn with this topic, but." I'm going to say some things, but you have to promise me you'll give me another chance if I say something silly, yeah. <laughs> right? Or, you know, and just, and as a leader, like to stand in front of your people, your ward council, or even one-to-one -one relationships and say, I'm going to make mistakes and I, I'll give you some grace, but yeah. I'm going to need it too, right? Totally. And that can really strengthen totally. and it really sets an expectation going forward. This is how this relationship is going to work. And that can be really healthy because you'll get, I always say there's about 15% of of the organization that just doesn't like you as the leader. And yeah. there's not much you can do there, but it, you can speak to them, say, Hey, just give me some grace. Yeah. I know you're not going to love everything I do, but I need some grace. Yeah. No, uh, I, I feel that wholeheartedly. And it's not gratuitous or anything. It's just, I mean, like the love for me, it's really hard to define and pinpoint. You can't put it in a box uh, yeah. because you can't put Jesus in a box and Jesus is grace, right? Jesus is love. And so, what I try to, to think about is my experiences and what I'm doing throughout the day and focusing on that grace and focusing on the Savior and focusing on that love. So, like I said, it's all encompassing, right, in, mm -hmm. in everything that we do. And so um, that's been one of the highlights for me and hopefully one of the highlights for our people, too, and for our leaders, too, to, especially for the young people. Oh, man. When I was able to connect with grace in that way and then uh, and then allow our young people to feel grace and to, to have some type of understanding, what, try to process grace, um, that that that's gold for them, uh, especially when they know, you know what, nobody's perfect. We're all trying as best as we can. So, yeah, allow me that grace and then allow yourself yeah. that grace. Right. So, yeah, for the young people, for the youth. They can feel, you know what? I need some grace too, myself. 
I need, I need to turn to, to the savior and have that grace myself as well. So, yeah. Awesome. All right. Uh, tell me about the Elias principle. Yeah. The Elias principle is something that's been on my mind for a couple of years now, just in focusing on uh, John the Baptist and being a forerunner, preparing the way. And of course, uh, studying in the New Testament here this year, even more so has highlighted that for me. And so I, it just it came to me. I was, I had, uh, was just interviewing with our young women's president, and we were talking about. I had asked her, "Hey, how were your, anything significant from your studies this week that you wanted to share?" And so she shared about the Savior's baptism, and then the thought came to me about Elias, about John the Baptist preparing the way, a forerunner, and we all have the opportunity to be in Elias. And so I was, we got to talking and I was thinking about just my own parenting style. I mean, you know, most of the time we're like, oh, and I'm, a, I'm an awesome dad or I'm, I'm an awesome mom for what I do. I love my kids, blah, blah, blah. Mm, but you're really not. I mean, if you think about it, using the Elias principle, you are preparing them for the savior. You are mm -hmm. the forerunner teaching them, guiding them, directing them. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about them and preparing them. Just like John did, right? Mm -hmm. And just like the midwives that had prepared Moses, right? They put him in the basket and let him down the river. So there are many, I mean, like Sarah, like Rachel, like Rebecca, similar to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, you know, they were forerunners. They prepared the way. And so that was a leadership uh, trait or style or characteristic that I wanted to share with our ward council. It's like, listen, you are preparing your presidency, right? You're the forerunner. You're preparing them to be whatever it is that the Lord needs them to be in their callings. Most importantly, though, as parents, right? You are preparing your children. You are the forerunner for your children to prepare them to have that, to develop that, to identify that relationship with Jesus Christ and to strengthen their relationship with Jesus Christ in that way. So I just, I just really love that principle. It's not, you know, obviously, um, from a, from a spiritual side, from a scriptural side, it's, it's, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if there's any concrete, um, things that we can, we can lean on in regards to that. So I just took it upon myself. You know what? I can be Elias too, and I can prepare the way, and I am the forerunner, and that's great. That's okay. I can do that for the Lord. It's not about me. And so that's kind of the principle that I've utilized and used in my own leadership, in my own ministry, and hopefully um, focus on that with our leaders too in the Ward Council. It's not yeah. about you. It's not about you. It's about our. It's yeah. about the individuals. It's about your teachers. It's, you know, in primary. It's about the youth. You are the forerunner. You are preparing the way for them and their relationship with the Savior. So, yeah, that really keeps like from a leadership mindset, like that feels really good, you know, because there can be this feeling of like, oh, you know, by the time I'm done with this calling, I want this to be, you know, we're going to transform the war, yeah. the, the community, you do all these things, right? So they're going to, they're going to want to forge a statue of, of right. something, me somebody because of the the leadership that was given at this time but oftentimes you know we're, we're able to do things that maybe two bishops in the future can actually then can 
can really make some progress, right? But that doesn't mean you didn't play a role or whatever it is. Yeah. And so I love that mindset of like, I'm a, I'm an Elias. I'm a forerunner to, because that keeps you engaged, right? There's a yeah. lot of work to do, but it takes the the glory off of off of uh, us and yeah. puts it back to God, right? Yeah. And understanding yeah. too, right? I mean, you have a part in this. So yeah, you have to stay the course. You have to uh, strengthen your relationship with the Savior too as well and walk with him and be with him and spend time with him. In the mm-hmm. temple and everything else, and that will continue to help. And then that's and that's you know that's what's helped me continue that evolution in love and grace and and using utilizing that Elias principle for me anyway. And so yeah, that's been super helpful for me. Love it. Uh, what about you know? Obviously, there's more of an emphasis and focus for a bishop on the youth of the of the ward. And obviously, you so say you have a good healthy group of youth there. Um, what does that look like for you and your bishopric? Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, it's kind of funny. I was just kind of reading through some some other um, some other guests that you had. And, and it's similar to I, I had the feeling years ago that, you know what, the adults are good. There was one principle I, I and I can't recall who it is. I, I apologize. He said, you know, the adults are good. They can you know, they've they've done what they needed to do. They're focused. They're, they're good. You know, where our focus is going to be on the youth. And so. Yeah, man, we, everything that we do, uh, we want to be close to them. We want to be with them. And I was talking to a friend of mine uh, just last night. He just got called to the uh, young men's, stake young men's. And he was like, hey, what, what are some things that we need to be aware of too on the stake level and everything? And I'm like, listen, keep doing everything that you, that you're doing, have the activities, have the engagements, have the ministering and everything else. Those are all good things. And similarly too. But we have, like most uh, other uh, wards and everything, bishops, youth discussion. So any time that we're able to be with the kids, man, uh, we'll take every opportunity. Now, granted, you know, we don't have a we don't want to have a meeting for the sake of having a meeting. However, the kids will come. I mean, they want to be active. They want to be engaged. They'll come. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, even if there's just food there or whatever, anytime they have the opportunity to gather together, they will go. They will come, and so we just try to to encapsulate that and, and and try to gather as much as we can. You know, obviously, focusing on the family and making sure there's no time that's compromised there from them as well. But yeah, as far as the youth, man, we just every time we can be with them, we want to be with them. And so, whether that's activities, whether that's meetings, whether that's uh, BYDs, Bishop Youth discussions. Uh, whether that's at their ball games or their plays or their concerts, what have you. So we, as a bishopric, and as as even as adult leaders, I mean, in, in our ward council too, that's one of the main focuses for us, even though we have some of these other responsibilities in our other organizations. So, yeah. And then along that same vein, uh, what is that? What does your relationship with your elders quorum president relief society look like? How do you empower and and enable them to? To lead the adults. Sure, sure. Yeah, no. And that's, you know, uh, that's, we're just a few years removed from that, right? In yeah. regards to having them uh, move that focus towards them. And so, man, we just, it, it's all invitations and encouragement, right? For our, uh-huh. for our elders quorum and the Relief Society and support. I mean, we love them. They're awesome. And yeah, we need them to take the reins and really to, to take the, uh, Take the reins, take the bull, 
by the horns and just run run that run that organization run mm -hmm. and help and assist and support and love and build and strength strengthen these uh these families and so it's more high level kurt right in that way yeah but like you and i right in these and and many of us in these leadership opportunities we've had those experiences that have helped us and catapult us to where we are today and so of course with the lord i mean those things help us to put those things together. So yeah, yeah really, that's great. I, I'm more of a, I'm a more of a hands off, like, listen, you take the reins and, and run with it. Yeah. Uh, Good. Think outside the box. Uh, you know it, what you're thinking about, if you got a program or whatever, or if you've got thoughts, if you got activities, man, let's, let's do it type of thing. Yeah. So. And then I always love to ask about just, uh, you know, technology or apps you use or systems you have in place, whether they're, you know, just an old school uh, system of how you do things or an actual, you know, written down system. Any Anything come to mind when it starts getting work done as a bishop or as a bishopric member? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great question. I, uh, in my, in my business, in my work life, I'm all paperless. And so I don't like paper that yeah. <laughs> and so I don't use much. In fact, I'm the, I mean, the other members of the bishopric, they'll have computers and stuff like that, but they like the paper. And so I don't necessarily like the paper too well. I, <laughs> <laughs> I like the technology. I mean, we have in work, we have drone technology and everything else. So it's pretty, pretty forward thinking. Uh, not yeah. that not that the bishopric and other members don't or whatever. Sometimes they just like to to feel and touch and and yeah. you know wrap their arms around it. Uh -huh. and so no, I mean everything that we can as far as I mean even the church right moving to LCR um, and and the systems that they that they put in place for that. I mean we try to as best as we can uh, move the needle towards you know, those types of opportunities as well, as far as technology. And then mm -hmm. when you think of technology too, you think of the kids. I mean, they're not, don't give them a piece of paper, send them a text or not send them a text, but you know, I mean, yeah, you know, lead them to or send their parents a text or whatever, you know, we have these group me's. So we have, we have, we it, like it just in our preschool, we use a group me app. Um, I mean, we should use the circles app, however, I mean, that's that's coming. I think around. most of the church should use it, and unfortunately, we don't. And right, right. They're welcome to come on the podcast, and I will promote them, and we can do trainings or whatever. But yeah, it doesn't seem to be widely used. But. Yeah, yeah. Anything else? Principle, concept, story that uh, we need to make sure we include before we wrap up, or what do you think? I I just appreciate the opportunity to be able to sit down with you. I mean, listen, you're doing a great work, Kurt. I, I've been thinking about you. And you can cut this out or whatever, but I just, I, I just want to, uh, you know, not give you an attaboy or whatever, but just give you, a, just let you know that you're a wonderful resource for us as leaders. And I've listened through some of those things. I'm a, I'm a, what is it, a core member? Yeah, I should know yeah. what that thing is, right? <laughs> you know, um, but why I say that is, this is a great resource, Kurt. Listen, I, I oh, thanks. No, it really well, is. Well, we're definitely going to leave that in. I mean, I, I've got it ego like the next guy that needs to be stroked every once in a while. Yeah, so do you it, know. man, do it. No, it's super helpful. Like Sherry, yeah. most of our, like our, our organizations, I mean, uh, they're always looking for ways to, to, to better themselves and to, to learn and to grow in their different callings and, and not only nice. in church, but also in life. And so, 
Oh man, this is awesome. I appreciate cool. you. Well, that means a lot and keeps us going. And uh, and yeah, well, maybe we'll include that sort of in this uh, this episode as far as information on how to become a a core leader because there is a there are hundreds of hours of content. Yeah. There leaders can dive into right I mean, yeah, it's, totally. it's great to listen to the the weekly or bi-weekly episode and whatnot but uh man there's so much if you want to deep dive into yeah. you know faith crises or or helping individuals overcome pornography i mean there's so much there and um i don't i need to keep i'm, I'm always trying to figure out ways how do we how do we get this in front of people more, you know, and make it available because it's such helpful information. So I appreciate you yeah. uh, d- jumping in and, and helping us out that way. So no, you're awesome. Well, last question I have for you, Lauli, I, I, I think I'm, I keep avoiding saying your name just because <laughs> I'm going to trip over it, but Lauli, Bishop Famasili, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> last question I have for you as you reflect on your time as a leader, how has being a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? Yeah. I mean, I, it, it has allowed me to have, to have, to develop, to identify the savior in my life much, much more than I believe I would have without this calling. And so it's opened my eyes to many avenues of how the savior can, can touch us, can heal us, can be with us. And so I, uh, one of the things that I do hope uh, as I, as, as I am released that I can take, that I can take what I've learned and utilize that in, in, in every other calling that I've, that I've, uh, that I will have. Right. And so in the church and in my community and everything else. And so that has really strengthened my relationship and developed my relationship and strengthen my relationship with Jesus. And the temple has been a huge part of that. And so that's really what, that's really has helped me uh, kind of focus on my leadership in that way. It's because of the Savior. He's, it's like Elder Corbridge said, he's the way, he's the only way. There is no other way but the Savior. And that concludes this How I Lead interview. I hope you enjoyed it. And I would ask you, could you take a minute and drop this link in an email, on social media, in a text, wherever it makes the most sense, and share it with somebody who could relate to this this experience. And this is how we how we develop as leaders, just hearing what the other guy's doing, trying some things out, testing, adjusting for your area. And that's where great leadership's discovered, right? So we would love to have you uh, share this with uh, somebody in this calling or a related calling, and that would be great. And also, if you know somebody, any type of leader, who would be a fantastic guest on the How I Lead segment, uh, reach out to us. Go to leadingsaints.org contact. Maybe send this in individual an email letting them know that you're going to be suggesting their name for this interview. We'll reach out to them. And... Uh, see if we can line them up. So again, go to leadingsaints.org slash contact, and there you can submit all the information and let us know. And maybe they will be on a future How I Lead segment on the Leading Saints podcast. And remember, to get on the email newsletter list, simply go to leadingsaints.org slash 14. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us.
by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness, the loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.